I like to use a phenomenon, phenomenon I came across, which is RAMP. So I use that to sort of base my warm-ups upon. So RAMP stands for raise. So raise is getting the heart rate up, the body temperature, respiration, so breathing rate and intensity up as a start to get the body nice and supple, nice and warm for the, for the session ahead. Then A is activation. So getting down to more specific joint movements to engage certain muscles. So for example, I mentioned glute bridges before to get those glutes firing. So the bum muscles around the hip, which are obviously really important. Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host. And today, my guest is Vaughn Stewart. He is our Prepare Like a Pro Senior Men's Strength and Conditioning Coach for the Corfield Grammarians Football Club for season 2023. I'm really looking forward to sharing his coaching journey. I was lucky enough to meet Vaughn at Victoria University as we were studying our Bachelor of Sports Science. So it's good to have reconnected with Vaughn and really looking forward to sharing his coaching journey as well as a personal side to Vaughn's background. But before we start today's episode, for those new to the podcast, our mission at Prepare Like a Pro is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show your support by following us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome, Vaughn. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks for having me, Jack. Thanks for yeah jumping on and, and looking forward to talking all things footy and, and strength conditioning, but... For those that aren't aware of your background, mate, do you want to talk us through how you started in the industry and, and some of the things you've done over the last few years? Sure thing. So for me, I guess started, well, back when I was in year 12, I studied PE um, and I did really well in that. And uh, I was playing soccer at the time and wanting to play at a higher level. So I understood as well that, you know, it's a small percentage of people that actually make it as a as a professional in, in elite sport. So doing PE and, and setting myself up to do further education in sport and exercise science was, I think, my go-to. So I could continue to work in a professional environment around sport and around exercise, even if I didn't make it as a, as a professional athlete. As I got through my undergraduate degree and started my master's, I've moved more into to coaching, working in fitness. I had an opportunity to start my own business as a, as a personal trainer, and I've worked with not just athletes, but a general population as well. So that's been really good to improve my, my people skills. I think is essential in being able to be a good coach, regardless of whether you're working with general prop or elite athletes. And now, yeah, as you mentioned, currently a strength and conditioning coach for Caulfield Grammarians Football Club and really enjoying that so far. Looking forward to 2023 to get really into it. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Who have been some strong influences of your coaching philosophy? And today, I will have to say my coach and mentor Desmond Ellis, who I met in 2009, so 13 years ago now. He was my soccer coach, and I've been with him, still in contact with him to this day. And he's really influenced my mentality, my demeanor, the way I the way I approach sport and exercise, the way I approach life as well. And I guess as well, my parents and my family, mum and dad, 
my former manager who helped me to start my own business, Fook Nguyen, and my wife, Veselina. Oh, very good. A manager is in like a manager, what, 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 how did that sort of start? How did you? So after just completing my bachelor, I was looking for work, came across the opportunity of starting a business as a personal trainer with Good Life Health Clubs in Hoppers Crossing. Yep. And reached out to me as the fitness director there, and he really gave me the confidence and the and the courage to 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 jump to take that leap for someone who had never done a business before. I had no experience in reaching out to people that I didn't know and trying to sort of help them, I guess. And yeah, he was instrumental in that and was a bit, was a very big pivotal moment for me, I think, in my in my career and my life as well. Yeah. And you mentioned the people side and how important it is working with general pop and, and working on your communication skills with personal training and working general pop, but also with Desmond and in, in how he coached. How do you how do you find like ways to sit your knowledge in those areas? Is it asking Desmond questions when they pop up, like giving him a call or do you catch up with him for coffee? Or is it just reflecting on, you know, remembering being the athlete and, and being from that perspective of, of how Desmond had an effect on you? Yeah, I would say it's it's a combination of those things. I'm very much a, a kinesthetic, practical sort of learner, and I, I like to use trial and error with myself in terms of my training and, and what I feel like I respond to and, and what doesn't work for me works for me, but also with, with other people too because, you know, it's an, a unique approach is required for unique individuals to, to find the best approach for them in a particular moment of time. And then in terms of when I'm maybe a bit stuck and like it, as to which direction I should maybe go. Yeah, definitely speaking with Desmond gives me a starting point to sort of delve into. And yeah, I found that really, really helpful as well. Yeah. And for those starting out, maybe they're bachelors or they're doing their certificate three in personal personal training, uh, what are some important things that you think when, you, when you're starting out in the industry to, to either build a business and build your own personal training client business or to you know, make an impact in, in sport? For me, I was I was very fortunate to obviously be able to do P in in high school and really get a good solid founda- foundation of exercise and, and and sort of sports science there. And then before I actually started my undergrad, I was in a I completed a diploma of, st- of sport development as well, mm-hmm. where I was able to also do an ASCAR level one for strength and conditioning. So these sort of gave me a bit of a base, a better base for when I got into my undergrad. And during my undergrad, I really tried to utilize a lot of the volunteer opportunities and, and also even got involved in some research studies at the university that were geared toward understanding about exercise and, and, and how people respond to exercise and, and how people get, and how, you know, coaches and, and experts in the field test these things because going into an elite environment in particular, you need to sort of have a really good personal understanding, I think. For me, that's been really, been really useful, really helpful, and also to build the networks and to build contacts as well. Because we're, it's a team effort. I think, regardless of whether it's an individual sport or a team sport, you you reach out to people because you don't have all the answers, and you you do need to have those those experts or special specialists in other areas to to feed out from as well. Yeah, yeah, great advice, mate. Thank you for sharing and. When you look back over your career today, what would be some highlights that sort of spring front of mind that you're proud of? Oh, I would say uh, doing P in year 12 was one because I have to admit, as a student in high school, I was pretty pretty average when it came to being disciplined and consistent in, in my studies. Mm-hmm. got to P in year 12. I, I, I guess I was really passionate about that. I had a very good teacher who was very passionate about it. And that was probably the one time I can remember in my life where 
I was a bookworm. I was a nerd, and I was at the front of every class, and I knew the textbook from front to back. And I was trying to use the, the all the things I was learning theoretically in a practical sense as well. Well, so for me, that was a key moment and a yeah special moment in my life. Another one would be getting through my undergrad, doing the the, the volunteer opportunities I, I did, and, and getting myself out there a bit more. I think growing up and I've been a bit shy from 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 new experiences or from or from getting out getting out there so it was good to be able to open myself up a little bit more and and meet new people and and try different things yeah and then i think probably the last two things would be developing my business starting my business getting uh getting my first client walking through the door and working with them and then being really happy with the results that they got and uh, the last one would be being able to travel overseas and and meeting my wife no, very good, mate. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for, for giving us a good insight into some highlights that you've achieved. And um, yeah, it's great to for those you know who are either starting out in the industry or currently being in it for a few years to get a sense of some of the things that you can rewarding things you can achieve in, in this role. And it doesn't necessarily have to just be financial, but also the impact that you can have with on yourself in terms of personal growth uh, as well as those around you. Common mistakes are the things that you've seen or witnessed in working whether it be with athletes at soccer level, football, or with general pop that you've seen as you've you know, experienced over the last few years? And if so, what are they and how can practitioners try and avoid making them? Yeah, from from, from my experience, I think, especially maybe younger athletes, in terms of recovery, they often become enamored with all the new modalities that, that are around today in terms of like massage and ice baths and all these sort of you know gadgets that you can use, and I think oftentimes the the what I like to call three R's, which is rehydrate, replenish, and rest, get get neglected in favor of these uh, maybe more advertised or, or exciting new new methods. Mm. So I think athletes should really try to find that a strong base of eating right, making sure they stay hydrated to to the optimal level, and and getting enough rest as well, getting enough sleep, not just sleep, but also getting giving themselves downtime and. And time to have a bit of space from the from the stimulation of of the sport and uh, and the day to day as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and from a coaching perspective, also I think it's important to to walk the walk as as well as talk the talk. Yeah, hundred percent. Well said, mate. And have you observed either a general pop client that you're working with or an athlete that you're working with that exceeded your expectations? They really surprised you in the results they achieved. If so, how did they do it? What did they do differently? Or, yeah, yeah. I think well, I've got two. I've got two probably examples that come to mind. One from General Pop and one from from the athletic perspective. The General Pop was one of my first clients. He was a he was a truck driver, so chronic sort of under like not sleeping enough or, or or poor quality of sleep, drinking a lot of sort of energy drinks, caffeine, eating you know very inconsistently or or overeating, not exercising much. You know, I had a family and he wanted to lose 10 kilos in 10 weeks. And I, I really sort of tried to say to him, look, you know, you got to, it's it's possible, but you got to be realistic at the, at the stage you are now. And we, we worked on it. We made a plan. We, we, we did things and he ended up losing 10 kilos in eight weeks. He was really consistent. The days that he wasn't training with me, he'd come in on his own while I was with clients. And I, I would see him pushing as hard, if not harder than when he was training with me. And he changed his habits in regards to eating, sleeping, you know, he modified those things, and uh, yeah, the gain, the the results showed, I think, in that in that perspective, and he really exceeded what I really thought 
could be done at that stage mm-hmm. when we started. And in terms of the athlete, when I was working as a as an SNC coach in under fifteen team, one one boy came into the start of the program injured, and I was maybe a bit pessimistic about whether he'd be fully fit by the time his club season started. But he kept coming to me at every training. Said, "What can I do to help this? What can I do to do that?" He was thirsty to learn. He was thirsty to try and help himself improve to recover. And when we got when he got to that that club club preseason, he was probably fitter than he than he was when he came before he got injured. So that was another point where because he was thirsty and because he really wanted to to get to that level, he was hungry for it, and he and he got there. So it was really it was really inspiring to see in such a young age. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing. It speaks volumes in how important mindset is and, and knowing uh, what your driver is in terms of what you're doing, you know, all the work for, whether it be to you know, improve your you know, longevity for, for those that are you know, not playing sport, but just want to improve their function of life and, and thrive or from an athletic performance point of view. So that's that's great, mate, for, for you to be able to have that impact and, and help support those people in your coaching journey. So uh, no doubt many more stories to come. What about, do you have a favorite inspirational quote or life motto that resonates with yourself? I have a lot. I think, I guess, if it was to be one, I would say, there are no ordinary moments by Dan Millman. Yeah, good one. And what about favorite way to develop your knowledge? You mentioned your kinesthetic learner. Um, so what's your favorite way for, I imagine, a lot of trainers and transition coaches, kinesthetic learners as well. What's your favorite way to either learn a new topic or you know, develop or polish up a certain topic that you're trying to upskill yourself with yeah i think when i i got into my masters after my undergrad a year after i'd finished and that has been super helpful there's been a lot of practical aspects in that and a lot of good a lot of great professionals who have been involved in the in the masters teaching us and guest lectures and and things like that and then being able to take the information that i've gotten from them and from the resources that i've i've had access to in the masters into my practical application that's been probably the best way for me to learn and for me to improve myself as a coach and improve my skills and what i can bring to the to the bear for those that are currently doing their bachelors and they're thinking about doing their masters what are some topics or or some things that you, you felt that really helped you from a practitioner point of view once you yeah, undertook your master's degree load monitoring is definitely a massive one for me like in terms of being able to ensure that athlete recovering enough and also training enough to give them the stimulus that they need to improve it's a very fine balance and it's very tricky to to get that balance especially as you get towards that elite elite level where turnaround times between competition can be very can be very or relatively small and there's a lot of research going into that space and a lot of people are very interested in that. So definitely that was what would be the biggest one for me. And the other one would be enhancing enhancing muscular performance from that sort of more detailed point of view, being able to know how to train muscles, how to improve that, that perspective, and also knowing the difference between improving that and also improving joint, actual joint performance, joint strength like tendons, where you want to be able to have them support each other rather, rather than being too dominant on one. Fantastic. And on the education side of things, any like three books or, or documentaries or could be podcast episodes that you think it's worthwhile, either athletes or coaches to read or listen? Yeah, I think my books that I would, would say would be Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. There's also Highly Habits for Teens, which is written by his son, which is really good, I think, for, for teens. Another one is 
Bruce Lee, A Life by the author Matthew Polly, which I really found extremely inspiring and extremely useful for myself. And also the last one would be The Road Less Travelled by Scott M. Peck. And what about pet peeves, mate? Do you have anything in your work life that fires you up? Or could be within the industry as well of strength and conditioning? Think about that question. One thing comes automatically to mind, which is in the gym, in the weights, when people put weights, bigger plates on top of smaller weights on the rack, that's like a, for me, that's an executional, execution, yeah, offense. You you should be, yeah, executed for that. (laughs) I I just, I still to this day do not understand what the, how that happens, why people do it, but uh, yeah. Bit of carelessness going on with that, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, And then if we could put a banner on, on a player's or every player's bedroom for the Corfugal Marine senior squad, what would it read? There are no ordinary moments. Be genuine, genuinely grateful as often and as intensely as you possibly can. Love that. Awesome, mate. And what about your favourite way to spend your day off? To be honest, I would have to say it's whatever I feel, whatever I feel like, I guess. Yeah, so you take it, go with the flow, no, no structure, just take as the day as it comes? Pretty much, yeah. And talk us through your experience at the Corfugal Marines so far. It'd be a couple of weeks now into pre-Christmas training block before the boys get a break over the festive season. What have you enjoyed about the role? What are some challenges that you've faced that you think would be helpful for, for those that haven't worked in sport in a senior program before and how are you finding it? It's been it's been really great. I've, I've have, have a privilege to work with a senior coach who has, who's, who's been in the AFL, who's been in the, the top level in the country so he had a lot of experience and a lot of ways to tone down the nerves i guess for myself especially i think having him around at the start has really helped me to, to settle in um, but also the, the 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 players as well they were very welcoming very approachable and and they they've come to me as well about things that they have concerns with or that they need help with and i've really found that really helpful for me to get the you know the best out of the the role and to really develop myself as a practitioner and to continue to build my skills to be able to assist athletes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. Yeah, for those not aware how it works, sort of in the football community level, basically the Corfugal in the Victorian Amateurs Football League, which is the one of the highest comps other than for the professional comps, like AFL, VFL would be the next level down from that. So it's a really high standard of football with yeah, high standards performance point of view but also great people involved in the club I was lucky enough to start my coaching journey at Corfield Grammarians and, and like Vaughan yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the role but also the people involved with the club so it's great to have Vaughan involved in that it's something that we've been doing the last couple of years as well where Australian conditioning coaches that are qualified and they want to cut their teeth in Australian rules football. This is a great avenue to do that because you get full autonomy in doing work on the field with warm-ups, conditioning prescription, but also Corfu Guerrians have the access to the school and using the gym facility as well over pre-season. So working on your strength and power work. So it's a great role for um, really developing uh, all the things you need as a strength and conditioning coach and also managing a large group of athletes. How have you found that? How many athletes would you have at training? Do you think at one time roughly... Win. Typically, we'd see about 20 to 30 athletes. Yep. It has dropped off a little bit towards the back end of pre-Christmas break with people going away and having getting some time off. Um, but yeah, it's, it has been interesting to work with a larger group. I have had experience working with even larger groups than that. And I guess communication is really key, key being very clear. Having a whistle helps too, you know, sort of getting getting attention really quickly and, and powerfully. And I'm also sort of knowing... 
having a rough idea or, or a good idea of what you what you're going to be doing in terms of of like warm up conditioning those sort of aspects of training. Yeah, and talk us through that for someone that's not aware of how what a strength conditioning coach does. What are some of your, your key focuses when you're preparing for a training session? Yeah, so I really try to get there as early as possible. Generally, I've been there before most of, if not all, the players. So that gives me a bit of a chance to get my bearing, see how the weather's like, see what the ground's like. And then when the athletes start rolling and have a chat to them individually, if I can, about how they're feeling, how they pull up from the last training session, do, do they have any concerns or issues that, they, that I could maybe help with. And then having a chat with the head coach as well about w- what we're going to be, be doing, whether we're sticking with the, the pre-planned session or whether we might be changing a few things depending on who's maybe pulled out last minute or who's, or who's coming in. And then, yeah, once everyone's sort of there, we, we get started with the warm-up. So just a really general warm-up. We do a bit of huddle in, huddle out. Slow stuff to start with and building up the intensity with run-throughs and, and sort of some dynamic stretching um, and then some activation work. So things like glute bridges to, you know, strengthen those those hips. Some shoulder work. So get those shoulders mobile and, and going, firing well. And then we get into some further conditioning. We normally do 300s, which are... 300 meters of running in a, in a specified time frame and they try and to match that time frame for five rounds and then after that we get into more sort of the football side of things which I just sort of stay around the coaches and and, and help to guide that and make sure that athletes are okay and that they, they're not pulling up sore overly sore or have any niggles or pain or anything like that. No, very good. Perudal start off with five 300s. What sort of times the guy is trying to hit there? So we started off at about 55, 55 seconds. All we did was we we split the groups up into sort of sort of more fit, less fit, and then least fit. So that way that they have an easier sort of load to manage, as opposed to them trying to sort of keep it keep up with each other and then hurting themselves or, or overtraining. So that's worked really well, I think, in terms of keeping them still working at a at a at a, at a good level where they can improve but also not over- overworking to the point where they're going to have injuries or, or be too sore for the next training session. And do you have access to the gym? And, and if so, what sort of time would you have access to that, whether it be pre-Christmas or, or in the new year or the players doing that behind the scenes? So the players usually are doing the gym work on their own and uh, their own steam. That's out of the our sessions. Our, the sessions we've had are, have been more focused on the, the skills and the conditioning the footy conditioning perspective on the so I've been looking at organizing a weight session after the Christmas break and hopefully we'll be able to continue doing a few more sessions with the team when we're all together we can get around each other in terms of you know getting trying to improve and and yeah I think having that that session in a team setting is going to be really valuable and really beneficial at building the culture building the bonding as well and I'm also building a, a performance environment that's conducive for for performance and, and also health too. Absolutely, mate. And with differences between soccer and football from a strength conditioning perspective, is that typically your role and responsibilities would look very similar when you're at a soccer club in terms of running the warm-up, running the, the running conditioning, and then if you're in the gym doing the gym work, or is it or is it different? No, it's 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 fairly similar. I have I have been Fortunate enough to work as a, as a sports science strength conditioning assistant at a soccer club a few years ago. I would say the only probably difference would have been that um, I assisted with a bit more of the tracking load perspective because just because we had GPS devices that we were using. So I was involved in 
making sure that they came back, like I, that the players would get it, that needed to wear it before training, and then getting those devices back, loading up the data, and and sending it to my supervisor, who would collate it into a format that the the the, the actual football coach, the soccer coaches, could could understand and and make decisions about certain players and the the lineup for the for the coming game ahead. But other than that, it was very similar. And you mentioned warm-ups where you're building the general general movements and then building in intensity. Will you, you know, work on things like agility, acceleration, and, and max speed? And, and if so, what are some of your favorite drills for maybe developing footballers that don't have access to a training conditioning coach at their club? What could, could be some things they can do to ensure that their warm-ups are not only preventing injuries and preparing them for the session, but also improving their athletes? I like to use phenomenal camp. Phenomenon I came across, which is RAMP. So I use that to sort of base my warm-ups upon. So RAMP stands for raise. So raise is getting the heart rate up, the body temperature, respiration, so breathing rate and, and, and intensity up as a start to get the body nice and supple, nice and warm for the, for the session ahead. Then A is activation. So getting down into more specific joint movements to engage certain muscles. So, for example, I mentioned glute bridges before to get those glutes firing, so the bum muscles around the hip, which are obviously really important in any, in any movement, the biggest muscle in the body. The one would be, so, then, so the next one would be M, which is mobility. So getting them to do some stretches that replicate joint actions and, and movements in the, in the game. So things like leg swings, it's a really simple and, and easy one to do, getting them to partner up just getting their hips and their legs moving through that range of motion, which they would be um, utilizing during the session in terms of kicking drills and, and also even just practice matches as well. And then P would be power. So just getting a final sort of muscle activation happening. And I like to use some some isometric exercises for that. So things like a, a wall sit or a squat hold, depending on what they can sort of handle at that, at that particular point. And, and then like a side plank to sort of stimulate that core a little bit more. To really get that those muscles firing and engaged and ready for the for the session ahead. Oh, very good, Ram. That's a good one for yeah people to apply. And thanks for a detailed explanation on, on how they apply it and, and some of the reasons for for doing it. How long would you typically take the group through their warm up? How much time do you have with the athletes? Oh, it's about ten minutes maximum. If it's a bit it, like typically on days when it's really cold, you know, or it's a bit wet, I try and spend maybe a little bit more time if I can ramp it up a little bit, maybe increase the intensity a little bit more, just so to make sure that their body is actually warm enough and their, their heat's gone up, so to prevent things like strains and, and sprains and, yeah, just making sure that they're neurally they're ready for the session ahead as well. And you mentioned in the new year, you'll start getting in a group strength session. What would a typical strength session look like and what would be some of your key focuses for the group? For me, coming into it with maybe less view of, of where each individual athlete is at in terms of their technique and their experience in the in the weight room i would start off with a really simple full body full body workout get the athletes to pair up with each other preferably more experienced guys with less experienced guys so that the way can they can feed off each other they can assist each other and i can walk around and just supervise and make sure that everyone's sort of doing what they need to do and, and that no one's feeling any sort of undue discomfort and that they get they're getting the right muscles engaged and in the in the actual exercises they're doing and then from there building it into really more complex and and intense sessions i think that would be the, the key for me going into them and you mentioned a role that you previously did at a soccer club where you were looking after the sports science and it sounds like there was some gps involved in that what are some helpful things that 
sports science can provide or, or GPS tracking for football teams, do you think? With GPS, with GPS data, I think, you know, obviously getting a, a snapshot of what athletes are doing in terms of volume and then obviously as well in terms of intensity and being able to monitor whether athletes might need a little bit more load or they might need, whether they might need a little less. And I think it's really crucial to use GPS in context alongside with things like a wellness questionnaire where we're getting a, sub, a bit more subjective view of how the athlete is feeling day to day in terms of in, in session to session. So that way we can say, okay, objectively they're, they're working really intensely and subjectively they're, they're maybe not feeling um, crash hot. And, and that's a consistent basis where they're, where they're working really hard and they're, and they're consistently not feeling the greatest. So it may mean that we need to sort of change how much they're doing or, or how hard they're working per session. And for me, that's been the key. Just being able to bring things into context and bringing it back to what our aims are as well. Because I think it's often easy to fall into the trap of just having data for the sake of having data without really knowing how to use it or or knowing how to to trace it back to what our goal is or what our aim is. Absolutely. Well said, mate. Yeah, thank you for that insight into sports science and, and how kind of it can influence your decisions. We'll start to wrap up the, the podcast, mate. Thank you so much for coming on and more importantly, looking after the, the men's program with Corfield Gamerians. Uh, what's on the horizon for the festive season of, of 22 as we're now in middle of December, but also what, what are you excited about for 2023? Yeah, it's going to be good to have a little bit of downtime in the festive period. Spend some time with family. It will be really good. Have a little bit of time to refresh and relax and and at the back end of that, start to flesh out how I'm going to begin in the best out of myself in in my role as a as a strength and conditioning coach and also my role as a as a as a person and as a as a colleague and a friend and family as well. And then 2023, I'm looking really forward to get into full swing with my role as a SNC at Caulfield and to be able to improve myself personally, professionally and with my relationships as well. Very good. And where you mentioned your master's degree, where where are you at with that and yeah, what what's a twenty three got involved? Will you be doing part time, full time? Will you be finishing it? Yeah, give us a bit of an update on the on the course. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to potentially finishing the masters next year in 2023. Yep. Hopefully, by the end of mid to end of next year, I'll be all wrapped up, and I will have a a new degree to put on my resume. Awesome, mate! That's exciting times, and and plenty to look forward to for 2023. And like you said, it's a great time to res- reset and reflect for the rest of the festive season. So it's good to have some time off for. Thank you so much for, for jumping on. For anyone that's got any follow-up questions with yourself, mate, where's the best place to get in contact? Is it socials, email? Yeah, social, email are the one. Social is interesting. That's my Facebook. And my email is vaughn.steward13 at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah, we'll add those links in the show notes for anyone that's driving, listening to the podcast. You can hit up Vaughn with any questions. And, and thank you for anyone that's tuned in live. If you tuned in halfway through make sure to watch the, the very start this will live on our youtube channel until we uh, publish it on our podcast and our next live chat that's actually going to be our last live interview before i head over to america so last one for this year is with max gordon the captain of the Melbourne football club that will be 4 p.m on 19th of the december so that's next monday so make sure to tune in for that one thank you for tuning into our chat and thanks again vaughn for your time and sharing with us your coaching journey thanks jack for having me it was a great experience to be on here 
If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So. I'll handle it over to you, Ramada, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was: you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for. Sort of three things, and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time. Um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then, and um, you know I thought there was one way of doing things, and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear, fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment. It would have got me a lot further, and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, 
and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.